0: Well, good evening, everyone. Um, For those of you who don't know me, my name is Kevin. I'm one of the pastors here at Spark Church in Palo Alto, California, and we're absolutely delighted and honored to host you all for this event here. Um, We are incredibly grateful for all of you joining us, and I say that all of you because uh, we really believe that the world needs more people like all of you who are pursuing good and just science and faith in the world. So thank you so much for being a part of tonight's event. And of course, We are incredibly thankful to these two people right here, our guest conversationalists for tonight. Uh, Let me just get my thanks in, Dr. Corbett. Thank you so much for being here, Dr. Gibbs. I'm going to say thank you to you in just a little bit. We are so incredibly grateful for you accepting our invitation. Uh, Very humbled. Okay, in just a moment, what I'm going to do is I'm going to introduce uh, Dr. Kenneth Gibbs. Then he's going to introduce Dr. Kizmikia Corbett. And the two of them are going to have about a 45-minute conversation and then after that, I'm going to jump back on in to moderate a Q&R, question and response time, from Slido. Uh, we kindly ask, of course, that all of you watching that you would comment on YouTube in accordance with the decency and respect worthy of the humanity that has been bestowed upon us all. Um, however, if you are uh, wanting to ask questions, we ask that you do so through the Slido. You can ask and upvote questions there. So the event number is right below. As well as linked in the YouTube. Okay, uh, and with all the emails that we sent out. Okay, we wanna get right to it. So let me introduce our good friend, Dr. Kenneth Gibbs. Dr. Kenny Gibbs is a biomedical scientist who works in funding grants for basic research, research training, and workforce diversity in Bethesda, Maryland. He holds a BS in biochemistry and molecular biology, summa cum laude and a PhD in immunology from Stanford University. But most of all, Kenny, we miss you terribly since you've left California, uh, but are tremendously grateful for all the work that you're doing out there on the East Coast. Um, Thank you so much for uh, agreeing to do this event and thank you for your friendship over these many years. Okay, I'm gonna hand it off to you and let you guys have a conversation I'll see you a little bit.
1: Awesome, thank you, Kevin, miss you all too. Formative time in life and in faith in California, um, but uh, it's always good to be able to hang out with you all, at least digitally. So I am so so happy, and as you know, I, you know, we, I was like, I, many things I don't say yes to because I'm tired and it's the pandemic and I don't have full time childcare. But when it's like, can I talk to Kissy for an hour? I was like, I most certainly will do that. I was like, if she will do it, I will do it, even though it's past my bedtime. So I am thrilled and pleased and tickled and all those things to. She needs no introduction, but I will do it anyway. Dr. Kizmikia Kizzy Corbett. So, Kizzy is currently a research fellow in the scientific lead for coronavirus vaccines and immunopathogenesis at the National Institutes of Health in the Vaccine Research Center. Um, Kizzy and I go back. Um, she received her BS in biological sciences with a secondary major in sociology at the University of Maryland, Baltimore County, where she was a Meyerhoff Scholar. And an NIH undergrad uh research scholar. And then she went to do her PhD at UNC Chapel Hill, um, where she obtained her PhD in microbiology in 2014. Um, and she is one of the inventors of the coronavirus vaccine from Moderna. And we are so, so grateful for her and her work and the Lord's call on her life, and that we are all able to just benefit from from you and your years of work and all that stuff. So I'm giving your flowers now. Um, and throughout this time, and, you know, I'm a Kizzy stan, you know, I stand here. Um, and Kizzy and I are, you know, friends. And she also was part of another program, um, Project C, which we all, both did in North Carolina um, as a high schooler. So anyways, without further ado, we will get into the uh, some questions about Kizzy and about science and about race and racism and with the future, because there's exciting news developments that we saw videos on Twitter in the last few weeks. So Kizzy. It's good to see you Uh, again. The first question is really on your background, and so you know many people know you, or at least know your avatar now. Over the last year, seeing you on CNN, People Magazine, New York Times, NAACP Image Awards, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, But before all that, can you share a little bit about your background? You know where you grew up, how you got into science, and why you've continued on as a researcher. Um, and then on top of all that, since we're at a church, what role has faith played and continue to play in your own story?
2: Well, hi, hi, Kenny. Hey. I, hey. I can't believe you know I, it's it's funny because you you're like oh I would totally talk to Kizzy for an hour, but we also would talk for an hour anyway. So I know,
1: I know, no, no, I know. Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> I, I do I do it for the world too. Yes, I'm,
2: I'm happy that we are allowing
1: people to basically
2: join our phone conversation, which yeah, is, yeah. I hope this is. Um, so I, uh, I'm from North Carolina, um, as was said. I'm from Hillsborough, North Carolina, which is a rural part of North Carolina near the Durham, Raleigh-Durham area. Um, and I was introduced to science actually in high school through the program Project SEED, which you spoke about, um, and which you also were in, I think. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And um, so, you know, having Project SEED really opened my eyes to what science was. I kind of decided when I was 16 that I was going to be a scientist and I did everything that I could to make sure that that happened. Um, and so I went off to get my degree in biology and then PhD and et cetera. Um, and for me, it was really the reason why I stuck with science was really less about moment, this moment, like this mm-hmm. moment where I am um, COVID vaccine, queen vaccine Beyonce, I've heard all those names. Um, <laughs>
1: Slay, slay.
2: <laughs> but but more so about what it means to what science means to the world mm. just generally. Mm-hmm. You know, because of faith, for me, science is really explaining all of God's creations.
1: Amen. Yeah.
2: And um I felt like that was so cool, even back in high school to be able to say I went to the lab today and I learned something about how this world turns that no one else knows right and so i get to do that on every day and i think that's really cool and so that's kind of how this came about
1: yeah no it's interesting um because you know you often think about like you say it's not for the moment right nobody's like hey when i'm 16 let's plan for there to be a pandemic that (laughs) that infects Multiple continents kills millions of people. And I'm going to be the one who's going to do that, right? But, you know, you you have these years of of preparation and work that goes into a moment like this. Um, And as you say, you're able to use the tools God has given us to explore and really, I think, do some repair and creation, right? Because at least when I think about it, I think of broadly sin. And that's a big word that people get loaded. But I think of it as disunity in the world, right? Like things are not as they should be. And that happens at the molecular level, right? Like I think mm-hmm. of cancer, both as chromosome abnormalities and, you know, all the mismatch, repa- mis- not repairing appropriately, but also, you know, creation go- going wrong, right? And you're killing yourself. Um, your body's, you know, taking, uh, killing itself. Um, so can you just talk a little bit more about the years of preparation in your life, as well as in the field that gets us to a moment like this, where there's a pandemic, and we're able to, within a year, have vaccines that are high efficacy, and yeah. So talk about that, and then I'm gonna have you boast on yourself. But go for it.
2: <laughs> so I actually want to go back to like your previous okay. first, and then I okay. will talk about that. So one thing that you said that really stuck with me, and it was like actually one thing that. Um, I, I won't say his name only because he's in he's in Congress now, but he wasn't in Congress in the beginning of the mm-hmm. um, But anyways, he, or he's running for Congress, I'm sorry. So he said to me, you know, what is about to happen is that the virus is going to pick up on everything mm-hmm. in this world that we have done wrong
3: mm-hmm. with
2: God's creation. And that's mm-hmm. actually kind of the same thing that you said in that what, like, society, all of the things that society has done, you know, uh, p- population, cities living on top of each other, health disparities, all of these, like, really bad things that we have just kind of created ourselves are the things that the virus is picking up on. Um, and so, yeah, so science can can kind of answer to that call. Um, pr- the, pr- the preparedness is how we call it. Mm-hmm. It's actually a higher field mm-hmm. where... Um, You know that these kinds of things can happen because history has shown that they have, right? We had the 1918 flu. Mm -hmm. HIV actually was a pandemic and uh, no longer a pandemic now, but it was at one point deemed a pandemic. So viruses do this. Actually, that is their only job is to spread from human to human or Mm -hmm. whatever, whatever, organism to organism.
3: Mm -hmm.
2: And so you prepare by learning as much as you can about viruses that are very closely related to any virus that might pop up, and so that's what we did. We just basically learned a lot about so- the current virus's cousin. Mm-hmm. Um, and the way that I feel like so this is I give a I give a talk that's like science preparedness and then career preparedness, and career preparedness actually comes in this big thing where really all that is is just mentorship and programs that have planted a seed in me and watered me and throughout the entire way since I was 16 years old mm-hmm. and I think that that is the way that I got to this point and as as more and more as I talked to Dr. Graham even who is my, my my immediate boss him too like his career was kind of watered and planted in the same kind of way as mine as well. And so um, that's how they kind of come together.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, As you're saying that, I'm thinking about a couple of things. One, some of the work that I do now is I think about how many seeds are out there, like how many kids are out there, and how many things could we do, right? Like if we decided to actually cultivate all the potential talent out there in every field, Mm -hmm. just like literally imagine what we could do, right? Because you say you're from Hillsborough, this isn't necessarily the trajectory that somebody with your background that folks would, would imprint would imprint fruit, on you, right? Fruit. But you, it was cultivated, it was watered. I'm thinking about the parable um, where you know the seed gets thrown and some of it gets some of it gets pe- pecked up by 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 the birds and it gets choked off, but some's in good soil and it bears this fruit, this harvest, right? And so you you bear witness to how people, Christian or not, family or not, like can cultivate an environment that a person like you can develop. And then when we allow people to develop, oh, my gosh, like, look at what can happen. Um, so you talk about your own. Can you talk a little bit about um, sort of the science behind how we get here? Because the question that people get, I'm sure you get, it's like, how do they do this in just a year, yes. right? Like, um, <laughs> so what's the work that, that that takes for us to to, to get to to here? Right, and this is
2: the part where I would generally bring out my little stuffed viruses. Mm -hmm. I have little crocheted viruses, but I'm packing because I'm moving, and so I don't Mm -hmm. have anything. Um, Mm -hmm. So I have to explain it in a different way. Nevertheless, so um, viruses have fingers on them, and those little fingers are what grabs at your cells in your human body, and that's how viruses get into your body and replicate and cause disease. Mm-hmm. And so if you can show your body those fingers without showing it any other part of the virus, and you can teach your immune system how to see the fingers, then you can stop those fingers from attaching to cells. And so that's what we did. We learned about viral fingers mm-hmm. for the last six years. And actually, frankly, even predating me, um, the, the science was happening prior to me getting to the National Institutes of Health. Mm-hmm. And so, um, If you can learn how to prevent those fingers from attaching to cells, then you can make a really good vaccine. And so we studied that. And what happened in this moment is when, on January 10th of last year, when the virus was deemed to be a coronavirus and the sequence of the virus came out, we saw the sequence of the fingers and we said, oh my God, that sequence looks so closely related to all of the fingers we'd studied before, we knew how to make a vaccine for those fingers. Let's try to do the same exact thing in this case. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what we did. We basically took the fingers of the new virus, put it into um, Moderna's vaccine system that they have, where they can make the message of that finger so that you can deliver the the message for the finger to your body. And now you can teach your body how to learn that finger from the immune response, uh, make an immune response to that finger. And so that's what we did. We just basically dropped all of the knowledge that we curated over the last six years into this one moment over this one weekend. And that's how we did it so fast. But notably, if you really think about it, um, there's, you know, up to 15 years worth of research that has gone into these vaccines in this moment.
1: Weekend goals, right? You know, it's like, what'd you do this weekend? It's like, I I did a vaccine, you know. Okay. <laughs> um, and, you know, I just again I was thinking about when I was preparing for this about the story of Queen Esther and how so many times, right? Like there, um, death and destruction was lurking there from a um, a leader who probably wasn't doing leadership in a God, in a God honoring manner. Um, here we, ha- but you know, it, it said like for such a time as this. Right, mm-hmm. and I'm just thinking about like, oh, for such a time as this, you, black woman, Dr. Kazmikia Corbett, have been appointed for such a time as this. So, I don't know. Have you, have you been able to reflect on any of this, or have you just been going so much that it's just like so, so crazy? Like, you know, like, do you, do you get a time to just sort of chill? I know when we talk outside of this, I'm like, hey, you should take a break, right? Like, but how do you, how do you process that?
2: Um, I am processing things a little bit more now, mm-hmm. um, mostly because. There is like literally only so much that your brain can take of, Mm -hmm. you know, of science and making decisions every day. So when you do start to sit down, you do start to say, oh, okay, like, you know, for such a time time as this. And so processing this moment and every other moment until this moment, I've been like, oh, my gosh. Like, there's just so many. The the ordering of steps, it's Mm -hmm. almost like I can just see it replay. you know, my second major, um, me even deciding to work on coronaviruses was almost like, I look back and I'm like, that was such a weird idea, <laughs> but it, it worked out. Um, but yeah, I, I process it sometimes. I, I will say that there. that's one of the things that I regret when people ask me. I'm always very regretful that I didn't jot down more. I mm. uh, don't really have the memory of so many things because I was so focused on the goal
1: hmm yeah um but we have we have more of a, of a story there's lord willing many more years of the story to tell and you can you can keep writing it down yeah yeah um, and you know ordering your steps um yeah i'm thinking about the song order my steps in your Will." yeah you know?
2: <laughs> why did we get god we should have had some a choir or something oh
1: we, yeah um i won't i won't persecute people with my singing um <laughs> so i want we're I had some questions, but as I told you ahead of time, we get some questions from our youngest members of the community. And so this is from Phoebe out in California. And her question was, was it fun developing the vaccine?
2: Absolutely. That is one of the things that keeps me going is the fact that I actually, as I complain about my job privately to people, mm-hmm. <laughs> probably, <laughs> probably to Kenny also. <laughs> but I actually really love what I do. Mm-hmm. Uh, like. The, the the fundamental things that make up what my job is super fun. Like mm-hmm. I'm gonna pull all nighter tonight, but I'm going to learn about from new variant in India in and no one else will know about after I get finished with my data. And so mm-hmm. that's fun to me.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, but yeah, it was it was actually very fun. There are some things that I w- could have done without, like you know, no one says, no one tells you that when you make a vaccine there's the burden of getting people vaccinated mm. that weighs very heavily. And so I could have maybe done without that burden, but the science is fun.
1: Mm-hmm. And actually we'll talk, we'll talk a little bit, the vaccine, vaccination piece in a second, but I think it's important, right? Like you've said a couple things that are important. One, there are a lot of years of work that go into this and people studying fingers on viruses. Right. And so sometimes there's these arguments around like, do we fund basic science, right? I work at a place that funds a lot of work on RNA because you got to understand just basic stuff, because if we can understand this universe and how it works, we can use that knowledge to enhance public good. But I think also that science is fun, Mm -hmm. right? We have such a bad rap. We're like, we're, we're not out there in the media as we should be, um, and, and, And just in people's minds and imagination. So can you talk a little bit more about the fun of science, like fun of discovery, just like the things that, that draw you, you and keep you?
2: Well, the things that, the thing that I liked, I remember, I'm gonna go back to that one summer that I realized that I liked science or loved it actually. Um, for me, it was, I was 16 years old. I I think I got to make like $3,000 or something in the summer, yes. like school clothes or something. Yes. But aside from that, my day, every single day that summer was completely different.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Like every time I went to the lab, I did something that was different than what I did before.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And I learned something that was different than what I learned in the previous day. Even if what I learned wasn't, you know, something that cured cancer or anything like that, but like even the smallest little bit of knowledge that I gained, like every single day, that was fun to me.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And also, even at sixteen, I was my own boss in a way that I got to say, "This is the time that I go to lab and do this thing," and "This is the time that I leave the lab." And I liked that kind of lifestyle.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, there are also other things about science that are super fun. Like I get to do this, <laughs> so I get to I get to talk to people a lot. And and actually, the more that you move up in science, the more that you get to talk to people. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm I'm realizing that most of what will be my next step in my career is talking, which Mm -hmm. is cool. Um, And then um, traveling. I think Mm -hmm. obviously not in the pandemic, but I've been as far as Sri Lanka Mm
3: -hmm.
2: because of science. I've been to China because of science, and I have already through to 2023 like 27 trips. Mm-hmm. So um, those are like the really, the things that people don't say, oh, this is what happens if you do science and you do science well, I guess. You can mm-hmm. um, but it's definitely, it's certainly possible. Those are the fun things.
1: And, and just, and I'll go back to, but over this last year, particularly as you've um, elevated, is, are, there any, are there any particular conversations that you've had either, individually with people that aren't famous or with well-known um well-known folks that you think of as, as particularly memorable fun impactful um you know i feel like i t- i was like hey look kids i see you here like every time i scroll through my twitter i'm like there you are and so like i've seen you with yeah. Kareem. yeah
2: yeah um probably one of uh the more fun conversations that i had was with a group of girls in in philly mm. um, it was the the organization oh my gosh, I'm forgetting the name but the organization was um, their entire purpose was to do exactly what I tried to do live how I tried to live my life which is basically teach girls that you can just be who you are
3: mm.
2: and still be successful in like whatever field so that conversation was extremely fun as far as um I I feel like I am uh, I am being I'm in a different position than many people at the at the stage in their career where mm-hmm. I am where I'm actually getting to have conversations with people who make a lot of decisions with lots of money like presidents <laughs> um, you know uh, like even leaderships of our institutes where we work at the National Institutes of Health um, those kinds of conversations and I'm learning a lot actually in that. And I'm also getting a lot of free advice from people who, I don't know, it's just, I would have never thought that I would have been able to get that type of advice from,
1: mm-hmm.
2: um, That's so
1: that's fun. Good, yeah. good. All right, we're gonna do a little more science and then we'll talk about some other things. So vaccines, um, you, you explain the fingers, and we teach our body to recognize the fingers. Um, these are just questions. Like when I say I'm gonna talk to Kizzy, or just as a scientist, people ask me these, these similar questions. I'm sure you get. Um, how do we know it's safe?
2: Because we've tested it in so many rounds for safety that mm-hmm. when you get to the point that where we are now, where hundreds of millions of people, hundreds <laughs> uh, of millions of people have been vaccinated. You know that it's safe, and those mm-hmm. rounds are called stages. So there are the preclinical stage, which is before you even get into a human being at all, and that's the stage where I, what I largely directed, where you test the vaccine in animals like mice or monkeys. And then when you get into humans, there are three different phases of of trials. The first is a what's called a phase one, which just The entire purpose of a phase one is to say in about 50 people, is the vaccine safe? And then you go to a phase two, and you ask, is the vaccine safe in about 500 people? And then you go to a phase three, and that's when you can finally ask, does the vaccine work? And that's in like tens of thousands of people, in this case, thirty thousand people. And at each stage, it's not that you can just wake up and say, I'm going to go to the next stage. It's that you have to wake up, you have to write really long FDA reports, And then you have to defend those FDA reports. And then the FDA tells you whether or not you can go to the next stage. And so this process has just embedded in it multiple different checkpoints where it determines whether something's safe or not. And the safety is measured on so many different levels. So when we think about, you know, what we see, you know, every day, right? How fever and, um, you know, pain in the injection site and all of those things and then also in intricate, very scientific levels that probably no one on this call would necessarily understand. But because we have safety profiles of vaccines across history, you can the FDA tells you exactly what they're looking for. And you have to test those specific things in order to say your vaccine is safe.
3: Mm-hmm. And these
2: are like particular proteins in the body, like called cytokines or like, how does the how does your immune system respond in a high level, low level? And what does it look like? And all of these things that you have to test. And so there is a there's a really highly vetted system for safety.
1: Awesome. That's good. It's it's good to hear explained. Cause you know, people, there's all sorts of stuff that happens, right? Like I was having a conversation um with a young woman who was concerned about like, would it would the vaccine make her infertile for example and i said literally i said well i know kizzy and she (laughs) she created it and she she took it and i think you know i'm like i was like so i'm at least able to say like because there's just so much out there right and people are confused and you hear things and it doesn't take much for a lie to spread around the world right and and because people you know broadly a lot is no farther on right like you're, you're a sociology person as well, right? But you think about sort of levels of just basic literacy in the population, mm-hmm. right? And how many people don't have literacy above eighth grade level. And then you add on that like scientific literacy, right? Like DNA, as, as much as many people know, right? And the only time I think about it is with the Nobels, which I'll ask later who you're going to have perform at your ceremony. So you can think about that. Um, but for a person who like wants to do the right thing by themselves and by their communities, but still has some reservations um, about the ones particularly authorized in the U S what, what do you say to those people? I know, I know you meet them. I saw, I think you had somebody on like MSNBC who then you talked to, but like talk about those conversations and what you've learned both about speaking and listening as part of those conversations over the last year. You know
2: what? I actually have learned that I don't say anything unless I'm asked
1: Mm -hmm. because
2: what i what i feel like this moment is very important for even if we and maybe it takes longer this way
3: mm-hmm.
2: and maybe mm-hmm. we don't necessarily convince every single person mm-hmm. but one of the things that i want to come out of this moment is that people who haven't generally been listened to they do start to get heard
3: mm-hmm. and mm-hmm.
2: the first way to do that is to just not open my mouth
3: mm-hmm.
2: until they articulate their question mm-hmm. And that was actually the reason why I approached the young man after the what is the MSNBC town hall is because his question was, how can we trust it? Mm-hmm. That's really never anyone's real question. Mm-hmm. And so what I wanted to do in reaching out to him after the cameras were off is to ask, what is the root of that question? What is the real mm-hmm. what are you really? trying to say? What are you really trying to ask? Because I think that part of the reason why we've gotten to this point where there is so much how it is termed vaccine hesitancy is because people, ha- their questions have been overspoken mm-hmm. by politically correct language. It's mm-hmm. like, how do we know to trust it? Well, the FDA, and that's like that's not his question. And so I, yes. you know, I want I want to get that out of people more. And so mm-hmm. that's 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 really the first step. And the second step too is that in this day of what is information at everyone's fingertips is so readily available, is that reminding people where to go
3: mm-hmm.
2: for information is important. Mm-hmm. And Also, making sure that I practice what I preach, Mm
3: -hmm.
2: that the information that I give out is, I haven't been wrong yet. Honestly, I I actually go back and and listen to things that I say just so I can make sure that I say things the right way. Um, But if I'm ever wrong, to correct myself, but then also to remain transparent through every single moment is important. Because mm-hmm. that's part of the way that we start to rebuild
1: trust. Mm-hmm. What I hear there is um, a certain amount of humility. And I think, you know, it's also, humility doesn't mean like, oh, I don't know anything because you are, A, if not the world expert on this, like one of the, you know, like the fingers, you're one of the world experts on this, but also like, I'm going to listen, right? And I think about uh, one of my favorite passages of scriptures, which my kids know, God gives grace to humble and opposes the proud. Right. And you think about grace as sort of God's power in the world to take what's wrong and make it right. Right. And that is, you know, saved by grace, but also the grace to be able to live into the calling and then for the grace to be able to speak to those, to speak to people who haven't been spoken to, listen to people who haven't been listened to and through that humility to actually, um have there be positive change. I just want to like call that out as positive and just like to just affirm that in you and in others who would be in this world, particularly as those of us who are professing to be following Jesus, like how, how we are to act in this world, because that's not often what happens to many people generally in the science communities. And at least I know when I've had conversations with people in science, when it's like, Oh, how can you be a Christian? I was like, well, you know, like if I only knew of Christians what I saw on TV, I wouldn't be one, but I know a lot of other stuff too, right? Just like if I only knew about black people what I saw on TV, I'd probably be afraid of us. But I have a full experience <laughs> over and apart from that, right? So I just want to like just name that. Um, I want to speak specifically to, you know, people talk about vaccine hesitancy. I don't even think that's the right terminology. From your again, your your work and perspective, what do you think is happening um, as it relates to differential rates of uptake in different communities, particularly black communities? Um, or others like can you process on that just for a few minutes for us and yeah um well so uh, we when we
2: started when we started out in the beginning of the well i guess i guess middle of pandemic whenever Mm -hmm. we started to talk a lot about the vaccines um african americans were only about 40 percent of african americans said that they would get the vaccine Mm
3: -hmm. um
2: the numbers are Increasingly going up, and actually, mm-hmm. African Americans are no longer the most hesitant. Even though I really hate that terminology, I I call it vaccine inquisitiveness or mm-hmm. yeah, um, population subpopulation anymore. Largely because I think of what has been a movement towards getting people more informed. Mm-hmm. Um, I. So I'm seeing those numbers change, but one of the things that is very striking is you, if you pay close enough attention to the numbers, and I actually don't because they, 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 they do put a burden on my shoulder that I just, I have to not bear it anymore.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: But um, if you do pay close, close enough attention to the numbers, you can see how they change with the counter information.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So the person who put out the, these infertility -hmm. Rumors Mm -hmm. and just absolutely absurd non facts (laughs) have convinced Black women to not be vaccinated. And Mm -hmm. actually, Black men, for the only piece of health data ever, Black men are actually beating Black women at at getting vaccinated.
3: Mm
2: -hmm. Because largely because of the infertility rumors.
3: Mm
2: -hmm. And so um, you just see how the role of social media and the internet has just taken over and so much. And also how the political divide Mm -hmm. has to, where currently Republican men are just basically not being vaccinated either. Mm -hmm. Um, And we talk a lot about identity and it becomes, you know, for me, it's important because... We live in a society where identity actually also means where you live. Mm -hmm. And when you are talking about a virus, that matters. Mm -hmm. Because if your neighborhood is vaccinated, but the neighborhood next door is not, then the neighborhood next door is going to be destroyed Mm -hmm. in the next uptick of the virus, and your neighborhood is not. And then from a very a, a, a United States view, it'll look like nothing is happening. But in fact, you know, rural North Carolina, where we're from, or, you know, Martin Luther King Boulevard, wherever, it's not going to be as looking the same way. Mm-hmm. I think that that's just unfair. And so I, I try to make sure that the identities stay in the conversation around what is considered to be vaccine-hesitful.
1: Yeah. No, that's good. I, th- You know, what i always say to particularly black people who are hesitant i'm like you know what you would do to hurt black people convince us not to get vaccine vaccinated i was was like there's plenty of critique of american healthcare system delivery i was like plenty vaccines ain't it right and it's like you know it lots of stuff it's like you know vaccines diet exercise hand washing like seat belts like there's like lots, lots of real basic stuff that prevents any, num- any amount of disease, right? And I'm like, just do it. But I also hear, it's like, I hear that you're scared, right? And I, I respect that, right? I just I also think about the world is uncertain, right? So we are always making decisions in light of uncertainty. And so, but here's a thing that we can do, right? Um, and it's scary, but we can go forth. And um, I, again, everybody know you, I know you. So I'm I'm happy to be able to say like, I know the woman who who helped make this, right? Like it's legit, right? Um, and um, even apart from you, the, the you know the system. Um, okay, other fact check. Variants. I keep hearing lots of variants. You talked about a variant. Um, how do we think about vaccines and variants, right? Because um, you know, is it escaping this
2: weekend? I have ninety nine problems, but a variant ain't one. Hey. We're not worried about them over here. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and actually, my preprint just dropped. That's why I was reading about it, um, kind of to give people kind of a, you know, little hint that something was coming out. But, yeah, you know, the the variants are they're scary, and I understand that because you, you, this virus is mutating, and it's, you know, you get, they get regional codes, like Indian variant or mm-hmm. South African variant, and it just becomes very scary to the layperson. But when you at 95 percent efficacy
3: mm-hmm.
2: even if there is a slight dip in the amount of response to a particular variant on a pandemic scale 85 percent efficacy is just fine
1: on any it's scale it's amazing because you know I was, you you know like when it happened when the data came out i tweeted you and i was like i texted you rather and i was like you by grace and gracefully you were able yeah, to make it's, it happen and like yeah praise God right yeah
2: yeah and so um <laughs> we're not necessarily worried about the variants right now what needs yeah. to, we just need to get an entire world vaccinated that
1: mm-hmm. is what it mm-hmm. and you spoke a little bit about it so I, just, I don't want to before we go to the next piece you talked about the burden right you say you don't look at the numbers because the bur like the burden of vaccine like vaccine development versus vaccination so again can you just riff on that for a second and how what that's been like and how you've learned to sort of process where your role is, what your limits are, like how to just
2: I be well. Actually. Okay. Okay. No, um, I'm, I'm doing better, um, mm-hmm. I think, but in the beginning it was like I felt obligated to talk to people every single day. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I, I, I took ownership over people's information, mm-hmm. I actually was taking ownership over people's critical thought, which is not for me. That is mm-hmm. for people's secondary, you know, middle school teachers. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. But like I I was just taking a lot of ownership over it. And I just realized that I couldn't do that. And like mm-hmm. also my I have a wellness consultant, which just sounds so bougie, but it is what it is. And she was like, you know you already did what your what your job was, right? And mm-hmm. I just like she's like actually you did more than what your job was already
3: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so
2: everything that you're giving otherwise is kind of mm-hmm. you and that's nice of you but that's not your what you have to do mm-hmm. so i just realized that and i i said well then the cdc needs to figure it out right and
1: yeah yeah well yeah okay <laughs> yeah I, I um i think it's good right like um Humility, limits. Like, here are my limits. Let me live into the limits. Let me live into the call and not aim to live beyond that call and, mm-hmm. like, recognize I'm living beyond and just, like, stay in my lane, right? Trusting some plant, some water, God makes it grow. So you're like, you know, you did your planting and watering and you're like, how do yeah. I entrust you? I, mean,
2: I, I, I literally thought about taking a leave of absence to go on, like, an information tour.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: I really needed... I. Frankly speaking, I really needed to be in every single Black neighborhood in every major city in this country over the last year.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: I should have been on a tour bus. The government mm-hmm. actually should have put me on that, but that's a side story. And it could have had Wi-Fi and I still, still could have wrote my paper. But like, I could have been doing that, I think, probably more early on. But then I was like, you know what? I also have to get data out. Mm-hmm. And so I I had to like balance what are the
1: two things um that i felt like i needed to do yeah and um you know also i always go to i always go to genesis one um you laboring on the seventh day the lord rested so i just uh, i want to give you a word of rest and the benediction of rest right because uh i always say actually i got when i was out in california i was like in grad school you know you just get the whole work all the time culture and i was like you know if the lord rested On the seventh day from creating the universe, how much more can I rest from these experiments I'm doing? Right, like it's okay. The world will keep going. Right, like, and I think even last year, you know, when everything was happening, because around my birthday uh, last year, um, you know, pandemic was bad, America was on fire because George Floyd had been murdered. But when I was running, um, you could like hear the birds and hear the wind. And I was like, so much of, and even like after the insurrection, like you hear the birds in the wind and you're like, you know, the world's going to keep going. And let me just like play my part faithfully. <laughs> and like, let me try to, but, but it's hard, right? Particularly when you have a vision for more, right? And so I just want to both affirm and, and give in public the word I give in private. was like, please rest. So that way you, you're you here for the long term, right? Cause, yeah, no, yeah. listen,
2: I <laughs> I'm a, I I'm doing better. I'm pulling it yeah. all night tonight, but I'm gonna do better <laughs>
1: tomorrow. <laughs> hey hey, uh, oh, okay. Uh,
2: I, I, yeah, you know it's it's funny because uh, when you say the world's on fire, that's actually like the first perspective piece that I wrote was titled "World on Fire."
3: Mm.
2: Um, in this pandemic, and it 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 it, it, it certainly felt that way. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because my I I suffer from anxiety like the mm-hmm. real way, and so. Mm-hmm. My partner has to remind me. He'll say, like, sometimes he'll say, no one will die.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And I, uh, I'll, I'll, like, be like, yeah, you're, you're right. Like, I, I get, like, really hung up on my calendar and, like, all these really minute details. And he'll say, no one will die. And then this moment happened. And, like, he couldn't even jokingly say that because actually people did.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And um, every single, you know, we, when, we, when the vaccines were rolling out, it was, uh, Like, I think we had about two people that were dying every minute in this country in December,
3: Mm -hmm. which
2: is just terrible. Mm -hmm. And I was just thinking about, like, two weeks that we'd wasted very early on. Mm -hmm. And so that's, like, how heavy it was. was, Like, how many people, like, died count that two weeks. And so it's just, that's the kind of, like, burden that it is. And so, yeah, you do have to step out of it and you have to, like, remember that, like, okay, you can can only do what you can do.
1: Mm -hmm mm-hmm um good um so we do science and i'm talking about sort of again just sort of faith and again you as um a christian like so how do you i guess many many christians particularly here in america we have this like sacred secular device so, like i really want to serve god and be a pastor a missionary um what do you can you just talk a little bit more about like science as a calling and, and um, you know, what you wish fellow Christians who aren't scientists knew about your work and passion for science and like science as a good, I know we talked about it a little bit earlier, but just sort of lean into that, like science as a good from God and, and how people can be supporting that, whether or not they are in science.
2: Yeah. So uh, there's a, you, you know, J. Cole, right?
1: Yeah. <laughs> I think so.
2: You would have said no, yeah. I would have certainly like,
1: well, actually, uh, I, I, so I was like, I probably do. You know, I'm, hey, knows, I'm the
2: North Carolina rapper.
1: Okay. You know, oh, so oh I'm God. like, you know, I'm like, I'm like, Peti, I'm like P.D. Pablo, right? So like, I'm current as of 2008. Oh I'm current as of 2008. Okay. I'm just, you know, I have all these kids. I've been home for a year. <laughs> like, it's a pandemic. I'm still doing my job. I'm he trying to live for the Lord. Certain, certain music doesn't put me in the best uh, mind frame. So I was like, I'm current as of about 2008 to 12. But I do know yeah. the name J Cole. It's okay, you know. I'm living yeah, my truth.
2: J Cole. J. Cole has a, a rap verse that says, um, "Believe in God like mm-hmm. the sun in the sky.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Science can tell you how, but it can't tell you why."
1: Oh, see now, it's, now I'm gonna go find. I'm gonna find the song.
2: And <laughs> that's really how I can summarize every time I'm asked that question. Mm-hmm. Is because when you think about it, it's like every single thing that I'm doing in the lab, even this vaccine development, is why, right? Mm-hmm. I can mm-hmm. answer that question in the lab. Mm-hmm. Why do you need this type of immune response? Blah, blah blah blah. But, but I mean, sorry, how? But I can't, I can't do the why. I don't yeah, yeah, yeah. know why this pandemic is happening. Yeah. I don't know why you know all of these grand scheme things happen and for me that's the god of it all Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. I don't um I mean I'm I am a Christian but I actually I analogize God with just the universe in general Mm -hmm. and so I'll say like it's a shift in the atmosphere kind of thing for me like that's how I think about my spirituality um and the way that The way scientists sometimes get criticized for their Christianity is because there's no, nothing you can prove Mm
3: -hmm.
2: around God.
3: Mm -hmm.
2: But that's actually the God of it, right? Mm -hmm. Not the necessity. The the necessity to prove things actually, to me, is too earthly to be explained by God. Yeah, and so that for me is like that's that that's always my answer to, to the scientists in that regard is that you're trying to prove something that is not for you mm-hmm.
3: to prove. yeah <laughs>
2: it's, not, it's, not, it's, it's not that's not actually not your battle um and so yeah, that's 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 how I think about it awesome. and so i i actually i i beg of that bag of Christians actually to when you think about when you think about purpose and you think about calling um, and and so oftentimes we think about these things and we frame them around the church because that's just how it goes (laughs) for us, right? You pastor and missionary and usher and choir member, like whatever, right? Deacon board. Right. But all of these things are whatever you are doing that you feel like is your calling, it is your way of giving God back mm-hmm. to and the word back to the world.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And to say that science can't do that, or scientists can't do that, I think might just be a little bit short-sighted. Um, because I personally feel like this moment for me has been my I might as well happen in the pulpit. Like, frankly, right? Like mm-hmm. that's how I feel. I feel like what is this vaccine is me preaching the word if that's if that's the analogy that you could make.
1: Mm-hmm. So,
2: um, yeah.
1: Amen. It is it is good news. You know, I texted you when I got my Moderna and I was like I was like, Thank you. I was very emotional. I was like, Thank you. No, Bless it's you. a
2: moment. It's a moment. I
1: mean Yeah. yeah. Um a couple more questions you talked about identity um and keeping that there you talked about this organization that in philly helping girls be who they are you are a black woman so can you talk about you know your experiences with racism sexism massage and noir like all the things that get thrown at you because of who you are and how you are in this space and then sort of not just that but then sort of how you've overcome and what Christian brothers and sisters should be doing to support your efforts in this, right? Um, particularly if we think about science as a as a tool of faith and you as a sister in the faith, right? Like family of God, that's a real that's a real strong thrust through the I, scriptures.
2: Yeah, I mean I, I don't think it I don't even think this answer is, is very is particular to me. I just think it's yeah. it's for me, it's just like I don't understand the Christian who isn't kind. Mm-hmm. Is not, I just can't wrap my head around that, mm-hmm. and so, um, to like just remain kind to like all people and all people being your brothers and your sisters is you know as the most you can do. But my experience as a black woman in science has been one that I'm gonna be completely honest mm-hmm. I did not recognize it mm-hmm. until this moment,
3: mm-hmm.
2: I did not. I was smooth sailing, coasting in my career, and I hadn't hit a a roadblock yet. Mm-hmm. And I think it was taking it back to me, you know, talking about my mentors, my sponsors, and like this dip, all the different programs. I think that was it, right? I yeah. was being, I was being watered very well.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: The sun was shining on me, you know. I was blooming, you know. And then pandemic, mm-hmm. and there were a lot of other people who felt that they needed to shine the sun mm-hmm. on them.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So that's what happened. And then so I became, I got left in the dark in a mm-hmm. way that I don't feel like a lot of other people with other identities, namely white men, would have been. And so mm-hmm. um, it's difficult. But what you have to remember is, and... I, my, my partner is a uh, structural slash institutional racism expert. And so I get these, this is pillar talk for me, kind of. But what, what you have to realize is that it's not personal to you. Mm-hmm. It is actually institutional. Like, this is not, I was taking things a lot more personal than what they should have been taken. Mm-hmm. And you have to think about that no matter whether you're a Black woman, uh, you know, any marginalized identity you have to remember mm-hmm. that it is not you mm-hmm. it is them
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> or the
2: system necessarily when i say them and and that that really helps you to get through it i think
1: mm-hmm. more yeah it's like this is this is your issue not my issue i have to deal with it because you're putting it here but it's not m- yeah all i can choose is how i respond to the things that happen around me which gets to the question i told you earlier that you basically answered my my son's my older son's question is how do you feel when people treat you unkindly um and that was that 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 last question um that way when i i show him later i was like i did ask your question to dr kuzmiki okay final before kevin does his q and r a couple uh questions the future um so we're in a church um and i know we talked about this earlier in the pandemic how do we feel about church gatherings um, when most of the people are fully vaccinated? As if it's too hot, we can leave it. But like, how do we, how do we, how do you process this? Right. Because I'm thinking a uh, lot of adults are vaccinated children largely won't be. And how do you like, how do you process any, any gatherings in this current moment, particularly when you have mixed status groups that include children or other people who are vulnerable for, you know, any number of reasons.
2: I may, I just advise my, my pastor to be careful. Mm -hmm. But I do think that it is, we are coming upon a time where it might be okay to start to think about opening up churches again. Mm -hmm. Um, There is going to need to be some diligence around Mm -hmm. it, right? You can't just pack in, you know, people into the church pews how we were before. Mm -hmm. Um, There are going to be some, you know, understanding that masks in church are important. I don't know if you remember, but in the beginning of the pandemic... Mm Churches actually had some of the biggest outbreaks and that's because Putin yeah. are and hollering mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. and spitting on each other. And so you have to think about that too. And so um, I think that they were, we're coming upon a time where it might be okay, but I'm begging of pastors to pay very close attention to what their local vaccination uptake is,
3: mm-hmm.
2: not just the national level, because there are some places where it's just not going well. I would not open a church in Michigan.
3: Right
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think also I mean the way I process also you could tell me but I think about sort of um local vaccination not just vaccination rates but also local rates of community spread right because if it drops so low right like everything's dropping and if it keeps dropping to like really really small there's just less virus circulating and if a lot of people are vaccinated when it does circulate it stops and so you you, you know those are things that in my mind as i process this like we've been doing outside church um, and you know we'll we'll see what happens as as things go forward. Um okay quick no it was hot but you know I was like I said Jesus came from heaven to earth right that's what we that's what we proclaim. I'm like and I was like and I always think Jesus lived in um pre-germ theory a pre-germ theory world so I was like that's deep love for me because in the before times I said up front mainly i was like when i could be closer to jesus too i could get the communion first i was like i can't put my hand in the basket when everybody I was like people know i was like i just i couldn't do it and so um i was like that's just me i'm just trying to live my truth um but yeah okay the future your future you've recently announced that you'll be joining the faculty at the harvard school of public health yay yay I was like, so I have to come up there to do our lunch or whenever you come back the night, we can do our lunch. Um, So what are your plans for the future in terms of like, what are you hope for as it relates to research, public health, your own life, the ability for Black women to thrive and benefit from science? Any of it. Like, what do you hope for as you You think about the future?
2: I I hope that we come upon a time where we never have to get taught how to human Mm. by a virus.
3: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I
2: felt like this virus was teaching us how to be better people and that is not acceptable. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's going to come from being better scientists and Mm -hmm. training better scientists, which I hope to do with my own lab, Mm -hmm. doing very novel and forward thinking science, which I plan to do in my lab. But then also by keeping these types of conversations open not just around vaccine, quote, hesitancy, but science literacy and not just us being prepared as scientists, but also preparing the community Mm -hmm. um, in case this happens again. And so that's what I'm doing. That's what I'm going to be doing next is I'm going to focus. I'm like, I'm about to focus on 24 families, but I'm going (laughs) to... Start small and continue to work on coronaviruses, but then continue to branch out my research and focus on other viruses that have the potential to do this kind of damage.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, while I'm at a, you know, one of the leading schools of public health, and I'm going to have the, you know, privilege of working with different programs in the community as well. So that's what I'll be doing.
1: Awesome. Final two questions. Um, at the Nobels, who's performing? Jeezy. Jeezy? Still Jeezy? All right, there you go. Um, I know who he is because you're Twitter. And then finally, um, I know i said you this before, but my daughter, who is four, asked, I asked if she had a question. Her question for you was, what did you have for dinner?
2: I had cottage cheese and strawberries.
1: And so... <laughs> As we say in our house, protein and fruits and vegetables are very important, yes, right? <laughs> and so you you modeled that very well. And so with that, I'm gonna um, turn it back over to Kevin. I think you want to do some some audience questions for yeah. the next few minutes.
0: Oh my goodness, uh, you two are amazing, uh, Dr. Corbett. Thank you so much for. I mean, I've written down so many notes. I'm gonna have to go back and rewatch this. Uh oh, we lost your video. Oh no. I hope it. I hope it comes back. Can you still hear us?
2: Yeah, no, I actually I actually
0: turned it off so I can grab my charger. Sorry. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, don't <laughs> worry. Just want to make sure we're we're still with yeah. you. Okay. Um, we are not going to go long because it is late, way out where you guys are, and we want to be respectful of your time. So to everybody who asked questions, I'm terribly sorry. We're just not going to get to them all. I want to take my prerogative as the host and ask my questions first. You mentioned vaccine inquisitiveness, which is now a phrase that I will start using because I have been using the phrase vaccine hesitancy. But I wanna hear a little bit more of the the philosophy around why you are making that terminological change.
2: Because I feel like it, um, I I I don't think that vaccine hesitancy was empowering to people at all. Mm. It actually was more of a stigma Mm. in the way that we said it. We were saying, oh, these are vaccine hesitant people. And so it, it, it basically said, you are scared. Um, and I didn't like that. And I felt that actually my cousin in prison gave me the term. He didn't give me the term, but he, he helped me wrap my head around it. I remember I was going to present, I was present going to present to his prison around the COVID vaccine. And he, and I was like, yeah, you know, people who are like vaccine hesitant, he's like, it's not like we're hesitant. We just have questions.
3: Mm, mm. And
2: I was like, yeah. Like, and, um, you know, I didn't even give you the chance to ask your question because I just stigmatized you. And so yeah. that's how that came out. I think vaccine has, inquisitiveness is more empowering. I love it. it. Said, I understand you have questions. What are they?
0: I love it. I absolutely can, love it.
1: And can I just also, I want to just, I want to affirm, right? Because you're very, I think, sometimes people think um, when you hit a certain level or you have a certain level of education that you become decoupled from like broader sociological phenomena. So when you talk about like my cousin in prison, I, many black people, including we have, we got family that are doing time right. And whether it's their own choices, the choices of the system, what choices were available to them. I just want to like just affirm that. Cause I think sometimes people like lose sight that like they can see you as Kizzy and think that you or me or any of us to get decoupled from the communities from which we come. And it's like, no, like the war on drugs. (laughs) I'm like, you know, I'm like the first step that helped a lot of people in my family take a new step. Right. And like, that's just a legitimate thing. Right. So I just want to affirm that like we real people that come from real places and the real things that have happened to black people in the world happen to black scientists. And so when we try to decouple, it actually just ends up being, being a mess for, for a lot of us. Right.
0: Um, I have a, a friend who's in our church who is going into um, bioethics and he's, you know, working on policy. And I'm, I th- I'm thinking about him and all this because the, uh, the intersection of so many different avenues. We have government, you have science, philosophy. Faith. I mean, there's just an intersection of everything. Um, I'm not quite sure if this is um, a succinct enough question. What do you think the global public health community has learned through this time? What are some of the big key lessons that we've learned? And the reason why I'm asking that question is, again, this guy that I'm thinking of is going to go into government policy and it will be shaping, you know, actual policy for how we move forward into the world. So that's kind of the framework for my question.
2: We have a long way to go, but I think that we learned a lot about global communication and collaboration. Mm. Noting that uh, people talk a lot about Oh, you know, we got the sequence for the virus online, and then we were able to go really quickly into clinical trials for the vaccine. But like, Chinese government did not have to put the sequences online. Yeah, they did that because they knew that the sequences were important to get the ball rolling on the science. Yeah, yeah, and um, you know, and you know, this kind of really intricate um, relationship that Moderna and the NIH has, has been almost unprecedented, but also necessary, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, I think that collaboration and communication globally. That's great.
0: Yeah, this is something Kenny, you were telling me earlier, like we can do this together. We don't have to fight each other so much if we would just join in together these efforts. Um, Okay, again, I wanna be so sensitive to time. Uh, This is the number one upvoted question there's been a lot of judgment on fully vaccinated folks choosing to unmask based on CDC guidance. Can you provide guidance to navigate this tension?
2: My guidance informed the CDC's guidance. So being my science did at least <laughs> so, um, <laughs> part of it, but like, I, I think um, who who's judging. I, I, I'm not judging people who are, un, who are vaccinated and choose not to wear masks because that is the reason why we, are getting vaccinated so we can start to move back to some level of normalcy. And the data are very clear. The The continuing steady state of the pandemic is being driven by unvaccinated people.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, you kind of answered this one. Do you have an idea? Oh, sorry. Oh, this one just got uploaded. It just switched. Uh, There's been a lot of questions about children, obviously our most uh, sensitive uh, question, the thing that's on my mind too with my daughter. Uh, Do you have an idea as to when children two and up, six and up, will be able to be vaccinated? And I think there was another question that was similar to it regarding uh, clinical trials for children.
2: So the clinical trials are all the way down to infants at this point. Hmm. But um, I, I am not at liberty to talk about when I think things will happen, because people are now taking my words as Bible, (laughs) Um, and so I don't talk about when I think, well, things will happen, and I say very generically, unfortunately, and I'm sorry that this is media talk, but, you know, approving vaccines and authorizing vaccines in any age group is up to the FDA, and I don't work for the FDA, Um, but you can expect that things will continue to roll out as quickly as possible, because that we're in a dire situation.
0: Well, and the process is similar or exactly the same. and and
2: the process is similar, right? So if you you really, if you are keeping a calendar about, like, how I am, with things as they're happening, right? So um, uh, phase three clinical trials for adults started in, like, July. Then if something was authorized in December. And so count things in that way. I think that the children started um, below 12, started in, like, maybe December or January.
0: Mm-hmm. So as
2: you, you know, think about things in that way.
0: Okay. Uh, I think we're only going to be able to do two more questions again to be sensitive of time. Um, uh, this was the question I think you previously addressed, but wondering if you have some additional nuances. How do you balance between advocacy and being non-judgmental with loved ones that hold a different view than yours on science and faith?
2: Um, I think maybe I've been very careful about who I consider my loved ones because all my loved ones love God and Jesus <laughs> and science so <laughs> but um, no I, I I just I don't I don't feel like it's I'm not I'm I'm not God I don't judge anybody so that's just how I think I go about my life like yeah. it's, you know we, we are allowed to have different views I don't generally I don't tolerate people's views that when i don't i don't generally tolerate differences in in views and opinion when those opinions um, oppress other people Hmm. but other than that we can have different views so if we have a different view on the vaccine that's okay yeah
0: okay last question um can you speak to how the church your sisters and brothers can best support diversity in the sciences and support scientists like yourself and this is to both of you and we'll close with this question
2: Ooh, can you start that one?
1: I don't know. He has birch to back that up. Um, yeah, I, I'd say pray, right? So I, and I had this conversation with another um, Christian brother at work. Um, and we had a slightly different point of view, but I, you know, what was it? Oswald Chamber, prayer doesn't prepare us for greater work. Prayer is the greater work, right? And so it feels kind of passive, but like praying is actually a real thing, right? And I know that people prayed my way through my bachelor's my phd and even now um and i think about this in the sense of like you know it's not flesh and blood there's some different stuff going on that needs to get torn down (laughs) um and rebuilt because you just think about the the level of vitriol that goes to just basic stuff like teaching american history um or (laughs) allowing and listening to submitting to the Mm -hmm. The the, the the sort of secular and scientific authority of a person like Dr. Corbett as Kev Kizzy, right? And that people can't do that. Like, it's it's very deep, right? Like, mm-hmm. And so I think in the church, we need to pray. And then after we pray, we need to act and organize and actually support people from all backgrounds, right? Like, people hear diversity is like, I'm taking somebody's spot or whatever the case is. But it's not that. It is, how do we get all the Kizzies? What could we do? Literally, imagine, what could we do? if we got all the kidsies and everybody else out there doing their potential. So that's, I I say, you know, pray, you can donate to local organizations and, um, you know, organize for effective um, social change.
0: Mm.
2: Yeah. And, you know, I think that the, I I think that one thing that I've learned uh, in this moment and all other moments actually is that it is, so systemic the problems are so systemic that organizationally we have to do things so thing we have to make change you know if i make a statement about george floyd it's not that big of a deal but then if there's marches in every single big city in the country then people start to hear it right and so we have to rally behind Uh, diversity and inclusion issues in the same way. Mm. I don't know what that looks like, but I do think that that is how we're going to have to start to move some things forward.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Well, um, on behalf of the entire world, (laughs) um, I want to say thank you so much for your work. Um, This has been an incredible honor to be able to host this conversation, uh, to both of you for enlightening us, and for modeling what it looks like to be human, to human in this moment. So I just want to express (laughs) my deepest thanks. I know our our community is so grateful for being able to host you guys. Uh, Thank you so much. Um, Thank you. It was just incredible. And to everybody online for posting all your questions and comments, we thank you as well. Um, we're going to let you go. Have a good night, everybody. It's way late out there on the East Coast. So as Kenny exhorted us, we should now get some rest.
3: Thank <laughs> good you. Night,
0: good night. Bye. everyone.